Welcome back to For You and For Me, the podcast of Monsignor Kieran Harrington's Sunday homilies. This past Sunday was the third Sunday in Advent, which we call Gaudaute Sunday. The first reading was the anointed bearer of glad tidings from Isaiah. The second reading was an excerpt on church order from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. And the final reading from the Gospel of John is John the Baptist's testimony to himself. Uh, Monsignor didn't give an English language mass this past Sunday, so he's here in the studio with me. How are you doing, Monsignor? I'm well, Dave. How are you? Good. It's great to have you back in here. I'm very happy to be with you. Would you care to share some thoughts with us about uh, the readings? For sure. Sunday? You know, what was, uh, what was my reflection uh, this Sunday was that uh, we are preparing for, so today is Gaudete Sunday, mm-hmm. which means rejoice. Mm-hmm. Uh, rejoice. And if you think about it, what are we saying rejoice for? We're rejoicing that the Lord is going to come back. Uh, the Lord is going to return, right? It's not that they were just rejoicing that he came as a child. We're rejoicing because he's going to return. He's going to return as our judge. Now, if you think about that for a moment, uh, that should give us pause, right? Because are we, are most people rejoicing because Jesus is going to come back as our judge? Are you prepared when Jesus comes back to say a rejoice? I'm happy to see you. For most of us, I think uh, that we are continually on the process of conversion. We recognize the need for conversion in our life. And, uh, and, and so are we prepared to say rejoice? Now, if you listen to the scriptures, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, John the Baptist is calling us to what? Repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's calling to conversion, a change of life. Do you like change? I know I don't like change. Right. Most of us are loath to change. Mm-hmm. We're loath to change our jobs. We're loath to change our place where we live. We're loath to change a lot in our life, right? right? We, we generally make a change because we feel like we have to, mm-hmm. you know, that there are certain circumstances right. where that just become intolerable right. for us. Finally, it's less uncomfortable to not change, so you finally just do it. That's mm-hmm. right. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's, the, that's the key of what is going on. Mm-hmm. And John the Baptist is calling the people to repentance. Now, we know that ultimately he receives in return for his call to conversion a call to change, mm-hmm. martyrdom, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's killed, he's right. beheaded. Uh, that's how resistant we can become to change in right. our life. Uh, so for me, I guess my reflection was, is, is we say rejoice, uh, rejoice that the Lord is going to come, he's going to come as our judge, and yet we're not prepared to change, to change our heart in order to be able to welcome him. You know, when St. Paul is speaking to the Thessalonians in the first Thessalonians, and I think that particularly living in New York, this is applicable to us. You know, Thessalonica was a crossroads of the world. It was Mm -hmm. a big trading center. Think about for you, you're from California, you come to New York, you live in Brooklyn. Uh, You know, there's a certain anonymity that mm-hmm. comes with living in uh, lives city. in a big city, right? right. It's, uh, like, Surrounded back, by tons of people, none of them know you. That's exactly it. Yeah. So you can go about your life and not really be noticed. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a comfort in anonymity, mm-hmm. but there's also a loneliness right. in anonymity, right? I hear this all the time. That's, so I, I like the fact that I can do whatever I want to do. I'm not under the thumb of my parents, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I feel this real loneliness lack of connect real connection with people that's exactly it mm-hmm. and part of that is because there's not a lot of mutuality really what can happen in the anonymity of the big city is we can become just completely narcissistic and self-absorbed this is really i think epitomized in the television series girls right mm. where you see what is the, what's the story with it they become very focused in on themselves right, right? it's right. they're narcissistic and ultimately basically unhappy they're always chasing the next thing right. that's going to kind of satiate them right What we know as Christians is that the only thing that can satisfy us is our relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, 
that that real satisfaction is not going to come in this world, but in the life which is to come when he comes as a judge. And that's why we say rejoice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's our, it's our exit out of here, right? That's right. Uh, Your life has meaning when you know it has an end. People will often say the most important days in a person's life, the day they're born, the day they come into the world, and the day they die. Right. Because this is the summation of one's life. And, right. you know, uh, St. Paul in Thessalonians, of course, is calling to a reformation of one's life, the moral life. Mm-hmm. Right. Reforming the moral life is hard. If you think, if you ask most people, most people would say, you know what, I can't do the Christian thing. It's just too tough. Mm-hmm. It's too tough in today's uh, day and age. And the challenge is, is that it's actually too tough not to engage Christ, <laughs> not to reform the moral life, because what we find is, is that the corrosiveness mm-hmm. of, uh, of leading a life that is a life simply of the flesh, a life of sin, a life of self-focus, a life of materialism, a life of pursuit of pleasure, th- these things ultimately, uh, they may satisfy us in the moment, mm-hmm. but they make us feel very low. And that's really uh, the challenge. Right, right. It's interesting. Too. I love the fact that the, the way that the Bible was written um, was not really for necessarily for the experience that we have today, and yet it's so applicable. You know, well, that's why we call it the Word of God. It's right. not a word spoken two thousand years ago. Right, right. It's a living word spoken right. today. Right. Yeah, Paul, Paul was writing to the Thessalonians ostensibly because you know they were struggling with how to be a church early and early that's on. Right. right. That's and, right. Well, and, Thessalonia. The the key thing about the Thessalonians was it was a Greek society basically. Mm-hmm. So you know St. Paul got thrown out of the city. There were basically riots, and I right. mean the police actually you know right. the equivalent of the police actually escorted him out. He got right. thrown out of the city. So I can't be there with you, but yeah, that's remi- right. Remember these. And think about that moment, right? Mm-hmm. For how so the word was not received mm-hmm. uh, very well, and what was going on. So the Jews who were living in Thessalonica were also living like the Greeks. Right. This is part of the challenge. Like they weren't living the, the example of holiness. This was also what we hear in Isaiah. You right, know, right. in Isaiah, what happened, we're, we're at the very end of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. So we're hearing about the comfort. But if we read the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah is the suffering servant. He's the one who is saying that unless uh, we are faithful to God, unless we are faithful to his word and trust only in him, not trust in princes, not trust in other rulers, not trust in other alliances, we're going to suffer. What happened? The people trusted in other alliances, other princes. And as a result, their city was crushed. They were expelled from from Jerusalem, and so they were in suffering. Now yeah. he's giving them the word of comfort that even in the midst of this kind of difficulty, the trials and tribulations that are a part of life, sometimes which come from our own making, as was the case in the Jewish people, mm-hmm. God is still with us. He's still journeying with us. He's giving comfort to us. Right. Yeah. And I guess I guess you know the way now that we put it like this we are in the same situation as the, the Thessalonians because Paul's not with us anymore and he still can speak to us that way. That's right. Um, remind me what, what years Paul lived, rough, roughly. Well, I mean, Paul was, he, he, we, we believe he was, he was uh, died sometime around 74 AD okay. or so. Okay, okay, okay. This was being so, written, Thessalonians was being written around, you know, in the late 30s, early 40s. So it actually predates some of the Gospels, right. all the Gospels. That's right. Okay. Well, the, these uh, the, the the writings of St. Paul predate yeah. because you got to remember something that was taking place, right? The yeah. Christians were living in expectation that Jesus was going to return 
immediately. Right. And so if the expectation was that he was going to return immediately, there was not a need to write anything down. It was a very much an yeah. oral history. But right, St. Paul had to write things down because, because he, he was, was sending a letter to people. Right, 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 so right. he was not recounting the the heart, the charisma, of the, the heart of the, the message of who Christ was and all the things that took place in his life. That was that was known through the oral tradition. Right. So we, yeah, so we, we didn't, okay. So in, in, there was, no, new, a New Testament was not even forming yet. He had Basically no, the last, there's no way he was, he would ever have thought that, that he would be included in something that would one day be called the Bible, right? Like that, that, yeah, that, that, that was not his expectation. His right. expectation was Jesus was going to return immediately. Yeah. So he was writing letters, letters of encouragement, letters of chastisement. Right. He was, the gospels really started to be written down. The first gospel, of course, we believe to be uh, St. Mark's gospel. Uh, St. John's was the last gospel, we think sometime around 90 to 100 AD. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was the last, these letters, again, like 60 uh, AD. Uh, so they were being written like 30 years earlier. But once yeah. the first generations of Christians were dying, mm -hmm. there was a recognition of we better write this down yeah. so that it doesn't get misinterpreted, right, right, right. misunderstood. Yep. I have um, a, a question uh, from my, on the, the reading from Isaiah um, at the very end. And I just, you know, this is kind of a deep dive, but I just figured, you know, you're the right guy to, to ask. So it ends with, <clears throat> um, well, I'll just read the second half of it. I rejoice heartily in the Lord, and my God is the, is the joy of my soul, for he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, like a bride beckoned with her jewel, redecked with her jewels. And as the earth brings forth its plants and, and a garden makes its growth spring up, so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. I guess... What I what is that? So is this in this moment? Uh, is Isaiah referring to the second coming when he says, "Make justice okay, and praise so spring up"? This is an important or, point, right? Because mm -hmm. the work has been accomplished. Mm -hmm. So the work of Jesus has accomplished the work of our salvation. Mm -hmm. But yet, we, it is not manifest to us. So this is a question of time, right? God exists outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. So, but the work of redemption has been accomplished in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. The manifestation of that will be made known to us when he comes again. Right. So we're living in this time which is typically referred to as something already, but not yet. Hmm. Something that has already happened, not yet. The best example I would use for this is the case of a pregnant woman. A woman gets pregnant, mm -hmm. and when she gets pregnant, everyone is excited that there's a new baby in the family. But the new baby is not here yet. Yeah. However, the family has changed. Circumstances in one's life have changed. Mm. Everything has come is being prepared for that moment of giving birth. That's the circumstance for us. The already has happened, and yet it's not yet. It's not yet manifest to right. us. So the the reason I ask is because we know that we have free will, right? That, that's that's why you know that's why sin has entered the world. That's why we have what we have. Um, Which is important because <clears throat> free will is about the fundamental issue is, is God loves us. Mm -hmm. He loves us. God wants us to love him, but he allows us to choose to love him or not. Right. This is the nature of love, right? Is right. that God doesn't make us love him. He wishes us. He wishes to give us the grace, all right. the assistance necessary for us to love him. Right. But ultimately, it is our choice to right. choose to love him or not. And, it, and it's also our choice to praise him, right? That's right. So when it says the Lord God, so so will the Lord God make justice and praise spring up before all the nations. I guess what I'm asking, like this word "make," is it more like, and I don't know what the or I don't know what the Greek or the or or the Hebrew was, but <clears throat> I guess the Hebrew. 
but like it, is, it, is it basically saying he will inspire them to do so? That's right. Okay. All right. right. So, so it has nothing he to do is going with... to, he, God does not force us. Mm-hmm. He does not impose his will right. upon us. Right. But he does create the circumstances such that we can do. And, of course, when he comes as judge, mm-hmm. that is at the end. So then all will pray. All who are alive will praise him. Mm-hmm. Those who are who are condemned will not. So this right. is the challenge, right? right? There will be the separate, that this is the moment that will come, right? right? That there is a reckoning right. uh, that is a part of our all of our experiences. Right. And, th- and this is, I think, what's at the very heart of the, the Christian message, mm-hmm. is that we can choose to love Christ or reject him. Mm-hmm. He loves us As, in the same way that a father or a mother love their children. We are loved by God. Yeah. The question is, is how do we reciprocate that return? I noticed there was a, uh, a very interesting commercial that I noticed uh, on, uh, it was on, I think, German TV. Okay. And it was a story of an old man. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, the, and it was the old man at Christmas. And uh, this is a great commercial, incidentally. And it, it was a very, very good commercial to kind of spate what, what this is about. And the old man was at Christmas, and he was having every Christmas alone. His kids lived in all other parts of Europe. And each year he would get Christmas cards from them. Mm-hmm. But they, he never spent Christmas with them. Okay. Right? They were all doing their own thing. Uh-huh. So finally what the old man did was he sent them a note. And the note was that he had died mm-hmm. and that their funeral services were going to be held for him. And all of his children saw the the message of his funeral services. And what they didn't realize was that he was actually alive. Right. So they all came home mm-hmm. to see the old man. Mm-hmm. And when they came home, they found him and they recognized what was missing in their life. Uh, you know, the missing, the camaraderie of friendship and mm. fellowship that they shared with their family. Oh, I think that this is powerful. It was a very, very powerful moment because you can see how in your life, I'm sure, Dave, you know, you're, you're a busy guy. You're a younger guy, a single guy. Think about all the things. So I would propose to you, what was the message there? The mm. message is, is for a guy like you is, you know, you, you, you're out and about. Mm-hmm. You know, today you're in New York. Next week you're in D.C. You're going to California. You're going all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so you're traveling. And that means you don't have a lot of time for things. Yeah. Maybe, and sometimes I don't know what your personal circumstances are. I'm not suggesting that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you think about how do I make time for God in the right. midst of these circumstances? Right. You know, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. Saturday morning, Sunday morning comes. I just want to kind of lay in bed or I want to be somewhere. I want to catch up with my friends. And all of a sudden you say, okay, what's happened? I become unmoored right. a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's the challenge. That's the big challenge of living in a big city, right? Right? Is, is that you can easily become unmoored. It's you not easily, that people... Right. Go, go ahead. People sorry. don't make a decision, mm-hmm. I think. Very few, pe- very few people make a decision mm-hmm. to be against God. Mm-hmm. But most of us get a bit unmoored because of life. Something happens. I lose my job. I, uh, something happens in my family. There's a hurt, a wound that takes place. There are certain circumstances that generally take place that a person becomes unmoored. They, they have no money. They've moved. They feel uncomfortable. Whatever might happen, maybe life just kind of, they get unmoored. And what God is trying, what I think we were hearing from Isaiah, is God is reaching out to us, trying to bring us back. And what we know is, is that the people of Israel were unfaithful. That's the reason why they suffered exile. But ultimately, they did come back to Jerusalem. And that's what our hope is. Mm -hmm. Our hope is that ultimately all people are going to be reconciled at some point with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may take time. It may take a winding road. There may be suffering. There may be pain. But ultimately, God's work of reconciling love is going to uh, is going to affect our heart so that we can turn to him. Right. But it has to be our choice. Right. It can't be 
something imposed upon us. But it can be something that's almost too good to resist. Mm. (laughs) And that's what God is. He's too good to resist. That's the challenge. Yeah. And the, uh, well, and and the additional challenge is doing it now, right? Not waiting until it, until really it's too late. And well, the question is, uh, and this is an important point also, is that uh, what is our life here about? Our life here on Earth? It's mm-hmm. developing a capacity for God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we go to heaven with the help of God, we are going to be filled by God. He's going to fill us, right? Do you think about there are many mansions in my Father's house? Uh, but everyone's capacity for God is different. So some people have a great capacity to love. This is because in their life, they've developed that capacity to love. Others of us don't have such a great capacity to love. And so in heaven, we'll be filled, Mm. but we won't have that great capacity for God. So in truth, our experience in the next life is going to be impacted by our life lived here. Mm. And that's why uh, that ultimately we're striving to live more devoutly the Christian life because we want to develop that greater capacity for God for all eternity. Right. Right. Well, thank you. Those, uh, <laughs> you always bring it off the page, and I really appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, it's my pleasure. Listen, you know, we preach to ourselves. <laughs> And uh, we don't preach to preach to ourselves. We don't preach to other people. And, you know, when I read these readings, I think about my own life and my own need for conversion. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about my own lack of fidelity to prayer, uh, to living my life as a priest. Every time I drive past somebody who's or see someone who's homeless on the street, I think to myself very clearly, Jesus is very clear to us, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're going to be judged on. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was hungry. You gave me food. And I think to myself, how often do I pass somebody on the street uh, who is hungry and I don't give them food? Thirsty, give them drink. Who are uh, naked, give them clothes. Ill and in prison and visit them. Yeah. How many sick calls do I fail to go on? How often are there people who are in my parish who are lonely and I haven't come? And what's the reason why these things are not taking root in my life? I think about it is because of a lack of intimacy with God. If my life actually had been converted, I'd prioritize my life differently. Right. So it's not about doing social work. Mm -hmm. It's about the relationship with the person of Christ. And then once I have this relation to the person, I see his crises. So therefore, I don't see the homeless guy who's sleeping uh, on the door of the church as a nuisance. Mm -hmm. I see him as someone who's to be encountered. uh, And I want to have that encounter with him because I know that that's what Christ would do. That's that's really uh, what we're all called to. Now, how do we get beyond this. And in my case, as you know, I'm going to be on a sabbatical for the next six months. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing it, right, mm-hmm. is is uh, I think that in my own life, uh, I do a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. And so I want to start with 30 days of silence. Mm-hmm. I want to listen <laughs> to where God, what God is saying to me. I don't want to stop talking and having my plans and being all about activity. I want to be able to listen to what God is saying. Kieran, where is it that I want you to be? Where is it that I can encounter the voice of God and know what is of God, what is of the devil? How do I discern the good and evil that is a part of my life? How is it that I can really put aside the sin that is a part of my life, uh, the selfishness that's a part of my life, and really have a heart which is uh, more pure, which is which is more capable of responding to God. Uh, So, you know, as a priest, I'm afforded that privilege. Not everyone has the opportunity to take that kind of time. But I'm hoping that that is going to be the time for me for encounter. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you really deserve it. As you told me uh, a little, a few months ago when we first talked about this, uh, you know, 
as as someone in working, I mean, I guess I'm not totally in the secular world right now, but in the yeah. professional world, yeah. um, we get to change our jobs all the time, right? right. Or, or, basically, I will. Right. Uh, and i you know, uh, um, and and as a priest, you you don't you have that same job your whole life, and that's it, right. I'm sure. It, I mean, look, you're literally doing the Lord's work, and mm-hmm. that's that's a beautiful thing. But I'm I'm also I'm also certain that it's got to be just one of the most challenging jobs in the world. Uh, and and yet you don't get a break. I mean, you get okay, yeah, you get a vacation every here and there, but you don't you don't get to change careers. And but so, you know what uh, the thing that you see with Dave, this is because you're speaking like a single guy now. If you were married, uh-huh. you would say you don't get to change your wife or kids that's true. either. That's true. Right? Well, it's a relationship. It's a, you're in a relationship, and relationships, you know, relationships. You need to spend time on the relationship. If you don't spend time on your relationship, uh, then things you know things are not good. So to me, this is about spending. time time on in the relationship with Christ you know as a what you said and which is our, I think at least in my own experience when you hold sacred things and do sacred things every day sometimes they become a task mm. and they're not sacred mm-hmm. and I don't think that that's what God wants and yeah. so for me the challenge is to step away for a little bit to make sure that you know the sacred things that we do are not tasks but recognizing that their acts, everything is an act of love and to do it with great love. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said to priests, she said, you know, remember, priest, that when you celebrate each Mass as though it's your first, your last, and your only. Hmm. And I know for myself at least, I think to myself, if I have two or three Masses in a day, I keep thinking, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that. I have... This is the moment of entering into the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. I can't perceive this as a task. Right. And you got to make sure I don't. So... Look, the priest is in need of conversion yeah. as much as anybody else, maybe more so. That, yeah, that's an interesting concept, uh, you know. Always, and you hear that in life too. Just you know, treat treat every moment like it's your last, and, and all that. Um, but I, the part from as a parishioner, and this is just one person talking, but the part I always notice when it comes to is is the priest just getting through it or or not is right. not it's not the speed at which they talk it's not the respect they have for the music or anything else it's it's when they're doing the blessing yeah and that to me is when you the consecration it's when you when you really know um is this guy just going through the motions and, and trying to get kind of done or is he does he really believe that he's holding jesus in his hands for everyone to have you yeah. know and that's that is interesting. Well, but. it's a. I could tell you something, Dave. If most priests, and this is, I mean, this is. I don't want to scandalize anyone, but you know, if you are a priest and you're a believer, there also come times where you say, uh, "Are you there? Mm. Yeah, is of this, course. Is this like? Anyone. Am I doing this? Is mm. this? Am I going through the motions? Uh, do I really believe? Do I really believe that the the bread and the wine become the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ? Right. If I really believe that, how does that change how I'm uh, approaching this? And that's, I think, most priests, I think, are are very attentive to that question. Right. You know, they because they are basically introspective. So right. if you're basically thinking about these things, uh, you're concerned about it, and you're concerned about your response to it, unless you've completely given up. Right. But as I said, priests are in need of conversion like anybody else. You know, I can't speak for other people. I know that I am in need of conversion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, and I know that, and that's why St. Therese Therese of Avila is of great comfort to me. St. Therese of Avila, of course, was a, you know, medieval saint, uh, Carmelite nun. But, you know, her, her conversion to Christ came 
later in her life as a nun. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen when she became a nun. Interesting. It happened later in life. And that's to remind us that we're all in need of conversion. Right, right. You know, when I am sitting in the confessional, I'm listening to someone confess their sins and with great anguish because of their sin. And I recognize that I have committed the same sins and don't feel the same level of anguish. Mm. That's the moment of challenge, right? Mm. When someone is clearly moving towards God and I feel so far from God, this is, this is the moment where we all need reformation. Wow. That's really deep. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, just I'm just lost in thought now. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. Thank the, you, Dave. Uh, Thanks. It's been always great doing this with yeah, you. Yeah, you may, so you know, just to try to translate what you said of, uh, in terms of your sabbatical, that means that this unfortunately will be one of the last episodes. Um, right. I'm glad that we got to kind of do a double episode. It wasn't yeah. even intentional, but <laughs> it's nice to spend a little extra time. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be two more. Uh, we'll, we'll, Christmas, we'll finish, Christmas we'll finish, is the last. Exactly. Right. So fourth, ad, fourth Sunday of Advent and then Christmas, and yep. that'll, that'll take, kind of take us out. Uh, thank you so much for being loyal listeners uh, every week, and uh, I hope that you've enjoyed it with us. The show is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Ask us questions. Really, you only have a couple of weeks left <laughs> or a week uh, by tweeting at Monsignor H or emailing podcast at desalesmedia.org. Until next time, for Monsignor Karen Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by for you and for me. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Thanks, Monsignor.